to the Subway Station Sports Podcast. I'm Jonathan Churn, your host. We're finally back after a long time as Nolan Sullivan joins me once again. What's up? Hello, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Mets clinched. Aaron Judge about to hit number 61, whether it happens today or whether it happens within the next 11 games of the season. Uh, Judge will hit 61 most likely, and he'll also most likely hit 62 which will be the American League home run record. Yep. It's incredible. Uh, It's unbelievable what he's been able to do. Now, talking about the Mets side of things, breaking down, uh, going into the Milwaukee series, we knew there was a chance, not just a chance. It was almost a guarantee that we were going to clinch a playoff berth in one of those games in that series. Uh, because if Milwaukee lost and we won, we would clinch. And we did that. There was talk yep. about what the celebration was going to be, and I thought we did that in a classy way. Yep. Uh, champagne for Max Scherzer as he got his 200th win. Congratulations to one of the greatest pitchers of our era. Yep. Um, so grateful that we get to watch him pitch for the New York Mets. Uh, outstanding performance the other day, by the way. Six perfect innings. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was. It was very good to see him in his first start just go through six perfect innings. It's great. My game one starter in uh, the playoffs. Yep, hopefully either him or Jacob. Well, either way, it's going to be uh, tough you-know-what for whoever's facing them. Yeah, it's going to be uh, tough. But also with the celebration, they had beers commemorating uh, the clincher and Steve Cohen. Uh, came to the ballpark and celebrated in the clubhouse with the team, uh, as well as general manager Billy Epler. And uh, we got to see just an overall great experience uh, for a lot of these players that have never been there before, never been to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm thrilled for guys like Pete and Jeff and all those guys that haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. And I'm thrilled that they have the veteran guys like Lindor and Max uh, who have done it before and can show these young guys kind of what the playoffs is like and what mm-hmm. they can expect and what's going to get them over the top. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy that they're finally going to the playoffs first team. Um, I'm happy for Pete. Worked his butt off. Same with Lindor. And just all the guys, just a collective effort, you know. Yeah, and especially after doing it when the season ended after the Chicago series. Uh, yeah. If you go on Mets Twitter, you should have seen what that was. And me included, I can be guilty of that at times, uh, overreacting to the smallest things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, like it's it's huge. Uh, it's huge that we were able to sweep Pittsburgh, which you, really any team should be able to do. Uh, and mm-hmm. we were able to take – Two out of three against the Brewers. I would have liked to sweep, but for the most part, the Mets are in a great stretch right now. Yeah, I agree. The one thing that I'm noticing from the Mets is that they're just they're not giving up. You see, we got swept by the Cubs, you know, very heartbreaking series for Mets and the and us Met fans. But then we come back and you know, we get we get the job done. We we act like that series never happened, which is what you need to do to, um, you know, do good in this game. You know, it's 
it's, it's the same thing in the postseason. If you lose two games out of the series so far, you're down 0-2. You just got to forget about those games and just go out there and play your heart out. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, I think the Mets have another problem on their hands, though. What is that? Looking towards the playoffs and down the stretch. Yeah. I, I hate to criticize this man. I hate to. Uh, this guy is a Mets legend. But Jacob DeGrom has to go deeper into games if we expect to win anything. I'm sorry. Uh, he's got he's to gotta be able to keep it together at least through the sixth. Uh, he's got an ERA over six in the sixth inning this year. Yeah, I, I've, I've noticed that watching him uh, play. You know, he's been solid the first five, six innings. And then, you know, he seems to not be able to get through that seventh inning, that sixth inning, you know, without giving up a run, which is a problem. It's usually not the Jacob DeGrom we're used to be seeing. But, you know, he's had two major injuries the last couple of years. And um, he's just got to figure it out, you know. It's it's tough because when we put, put him against, like, the Pirates or the Cubs and stuff like that, you know, we're not going to be seeing the, those bad of teams in the playoffs and seeing them being able to uh, take advantage of how, you know, tired, maybe how, how tired he was or, like, him not being able to put pitches where he wanted to be. It's a little concerning because if we have to verse Atlanta in the playoffs, Dodgers in the playoffs, you know, it's, it, it's going to be concerning. But, you know. I, I see the concern. I just I hope that he could uh, get through that. Me too. And I will say this. When Jacob deGrom is healthy and cruising and on his best days, there is no question he's the best in the entire sport, in the, on the entire planet. And uh, he, in my opinion, he's a top three athlete in all of sports when he's at his best. Yeah. I mean, top three athlete in sports – a little bit of a stretch, in my opinion, but it, it's not a stretch; it's a fact. All right, I like the, uh, I like the confidence. I you know, stand, I stand by that. All right, all right. But uh, there are two big pieces. This Mets team is not a winner without these two guys, and I understand Scherzer's been hurt, but the attitude that he brings to this team, uh, that's that's a whole winning attitude. That's a winning mindset. Mm-hmm. That's what allows this Mets team to win. And I, I'll flat out say that. Uh, Max Scherzer is the difference maker for this team. He's been my, he's been my favorite to watch uh, on the bench, my favorite to watch on the mound this year. Uh, just what he's brought. It's been a whole new energy that this, that this team has not seen. And guys like um, Peterson and Walker and uh, mm-hmm. even a guy like McGill or uh, – even guys like Jacob DeGrom and Chris Bassett, they all take something off of Max Scherzer, and they all use the information that he gives. And Max Scherzer has really improved everyone else's everyone else's game uh, and has made everyone around him better. Yeah, I mean, how can you not um, take uh, information off of Max Scherzer? You know, one of the best pitchers in the league, one of the best pitchers in our generation, you know, one couple Cy Youngs, World Series champion. Like, how can you not? You know, it's it would be dumb if you don't. So yeah. him and another person that I think, you know, if he somehow goes like the whole team gonna is gonna start going cold, and that's Pete Alonzo. Right. I don't I don't expect him to go cold, but it seems like when Pete's on fire, it brings the energy up on the team and it helps us win. I notice how 
when Pete is, you know, struggling at the plate, you know, it's it's much harder for us to win ball games. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, that's why they call him MVP, right? Uh, he's without a doubt the team MVP because every single time he goes out there, he brings the energy, uh, the same energy that Max brings on the mound. Pete brings uh, in the batter's box and the diamond. You know, mm-hmm. Pete has proved he's no more than just a person that loves baseball and loves to play baseball and loves to win with his teammates. Uh, you don't see that ego from Pete. Uh, I think he's humble. He's been humble since he's come up. And he's been about winning, and he's been about the team since day one. And yep. he's 100% one of those guys. I don't understand why people in other fan bases hate him. Uh, they get some kind of opinion that he's got some sort of ego. But you know what? They're wrong. They really are. Yeah, I mean, I think Pete's a very humble guy. And um, even when he's red hot, he's still humble, and he's still just all about the team, you know? Yeah, he's just – he's so Rick. much like the common folk that he got ketchup in his hair the other day. Uh, great celebration there Uh, yeah yeah. the other one that I would say the other person is manager Buck Showalter Buck has turned this team around uh, total full circle Uh, Buck Showalter in my opinion is the guy Uh, Buck Showalter once he came in here we became a contender Uh, he brings an attitude uh, that the team doesn't have Uh, next man up mentality teaches the team rules that they never knew before, uh, teaches them ways to win, teaches them uh, some old-school baseball things, some things yep. he's picked up along the way. Um, it's just Buck Showalter brings a lot to this team that a lot of people don't mention, and I got to give him a lot of credit. Yeah, I mean, Buck has been a great manager all year, you know. So, I mean, obviously – managers will sometimes screw up like bullpen decisions but you know that happens but I think overall he's been just fantastic I have a question for you though John okay I've been been thinking about it going into the postseason who would you rather at third Escobar or Luis Guillorme here's what I would do third base Luis Guillorme DH Eduardo Escobar I agree You you know why? Because you figure Eduardo Escobar being a switch hitter, he can hit both lefties and righties. Therefore, Vogie's still going to get to play. And therefore, Escobar, when he's in his hot streak, he plays. When he's in a cold streak, Vogie plays. Yeah. Um, And I feel one guy that the fan base really hasn't treated uh, necessarily fairly is Tyler Naquin, because up until this week or so, he hasn't really gotten the chance to play much, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Naquin, from, you know, for me watching games, he's been a solid contributor. You know, it's very rarely where, like, I've seen him have bad at-bats. You know, I've seen him, you know, not being able to put the ball the other way sometimes. He has that very golf-like swing. But, you know, I always see him have a – a one in four stat line, you know, and that's if you're able to get one one hit a game, you know that's that's solid for the pitching that they are going to see down the road. That's a key word you mentioned. Naquin isn't a bad player; he's solid. Yes, he's a solid ball player that helps with your team. He's been that when he was with Cleveland. He's been that when he's with Cincinnati, and he's going to be that here. 
Um, Darren Ruff got to be DFA'd, though. I I completely agree. Um, Darren Ruff is just... He's rough to watch. It's it's really just sad. I mean, I don't know how we could trade away J.D. Davis. I really do miss J.D. Davis because I feel like, you know, he's last year and this year were rough for him, but, like, bringing in Darren Ruff for him, it's just, it wasn't a good move, in my opinion. That was, like, one of the moves I didn't agree with with Billy Epler so far. Yeah, I feel Billy Epler is the type of GM that, by the way, we, we weren't in those meetings. We can't fairly criticize, I don't think. But uh, one thing I can safely say is that he's a wizard with free agency. He's great with free agency. The other day he mentioned an hour after he got the Met job, he called Scott Boris about Max Scherzer. Uh, but as far as the trade deadline, he strikes out there. Yeah, I mean, we could have got, got I mean, gotten guys like J.D. Martinez at the DH spot, you know, and just a bunch of other guys that we could have gotten. And like you said, we struck out with it. You know, it's not that I'm mad with Naquin. I think Naquin was a great, great pickup. Um, Daniel Vogelback has been like on and off, you know, like he does get on base a lot, which is great, but he can't run, obviously. And, you know, like sometimes his hitting is questionable, but the only good thing, like the only consistent thing that he's been doing very solid for us is just being able to get on base. I agree. But you know what? Vogie may not be able to run, but I know one guy that can. And that's a guy that has more career stolen bases than he does career hits. And that man is Terrence Gore, who has more World Series than career home runs. He is the GOAT at winning World Series just because of base stealing. That guy, uh, man, he can turn a single into a triple. He's unbelievable. He's just just so small and quick, you know. He's just so fast. I remember... um... I went to one of the Mech games and they put him in um, in one of the last innings to um, pinch run. And everybody knew he was stealing. Like the whole ballpark knew he was stealing. It was just a matter of time of when. So, um, you know, I think like third pitch he went and he just got in there safely, even with a very good throw. And it's just watching that speed was just unbelievable. Yeah. So moving on from the Mets, but before we move on from the Mets, uh, we both would like to cor- congratulate Steve and Alex Cohen, the owners of the New York Mets, uh, GM Billy Epler, manager Buck Showalter, who will win manager of the year, and the New York Mets team, and uh, just overall staff in the organization and fellow Mets fans. Yep. Uh, moving on to the Yankees. Will Aaron Judge hit 62? in the next three, four days, or will he do it closer to the end of the season? I think he'll do it in the next three or four days. I think that tonight um, he might not hit a home run. Tomorrow he'll hit a home run. Next day he might not hit a home run. And the next day after that he's going to hit a home run. He is just unbelievable to watch. The fact that he is batting 315, he's going to finish with 63 home runs, and have his speed and be able to have his arm. It's just really unbelievable to watch. He's terrific. And I learned this today. I read an article that brought up this. Babe Ruth, when he broke the record in 19, when he held the record in 1927, 
hit 60 home runs. The ground rule double did not exist. And uh, when it bounced over the wall, that was considered a home run. Yeah, I, I, I also read that. So you think about that, you're like, wow, what guys like Aaron Judge is doing, guys that guys like Roger Maris is doing, or even even though he cheated, guys like Barry Bonds did. Uh, it's impressive. It really is. The fact that you can hit it over the fence over 60 times in a 162-game season, it's impressive and it's fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like I was talking to um, one of my teachers today, and he said, like, you know, people almost have to think that, like, Aaron Judge is using some type of PEDs to, like, you know, to keep him on the field and to be able to hit all these bombs and, you know, do all this stuff. I mean, it really makes me wonder, too, because Aaron Judge has always been, like, you know, kind of injury prone. And the fact that this season he's been fully healthy and he's doing this, it's just, like, it's a complicated situation because we've seen – because now we could see what he could do with a full healthy season. But I I understand where that concern is. Now, let's not uh, – this is kind of where I'm going to cut that part off. Uh, let's not make accusations. I know you're bringing up what someone uh, said, but let's not try to bring too much into that because I don't want to accuse a player of using something if they might not be using it. I'm going to let Major okay. Baseball decide that. Uh, um, but I will also say this. Uh, what Judge is doing is impressive. I think he's doing it naturally, um, and I'm just – I'm totally thrilled. I will. Make oh yeah, one. I, I think he's doing it naturally too. I mean, yeah, it's something that I heard and it just got me wondering. Yeah, I um, agree. I will also uh, ask you this question, and then I'll give my answer. If you were a fan at Yankee Stadium or uh, a road ballpark, and you stick your hand out, all of a sudden, Judge's sixty-second home run is coming over to you. You catch it, right? Mm-hmm. What are you doing with the ball? For me, I would probably either ask for a lot from the team and the organization, and if they don't want to give me that, I will gladly sell it for the insane amount of money it's going to go for. I mean, it would be such a complicated situation because you have to think, like, whoever catches it, like, you have to think of, like, all those things that, like, could go into their uh, decision, right? But for me, I would probably lean towards the selling part just because if I were to catch that, me as a kid, getting all that money would instantly help me for the next 10 years of my life plus. Yeah, and here's the other aspect. Us as the fans... Fans of Major League Baseball, fans of the NFL, fans of the NBA, fans of the NHL. We have never once had leverage in any situation. With this situation in MLB with Pujols and Judge, the fan at some point is going to have the leverage. And uh, personally, if I were the fan that caught it, this is what I'd ask for. I'd ask for... uh, a huge amount of money for myself, you know, keep myself well off. Uh, don't have to worry about a car. Don't have to worry about college in that sense. Another thing I would do is I would ask for um, 
money to go to charity, you know, because at the end of the day, helping people is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And the other aspect that of it is how much memorabilia could you get? I would ask for a signed bat, signed baseball, and signed game use cleats because that would be unreal. But another thing I would ask for would be uh, to throw out the first pitch and warm up in the bullpen while doing it. That that is a quite a list right there, and I agree. I think that you need to ask high, right? And if they can't meet those uh, expectations, no baseball for them. No baseball for them. Exactly my point. So that's just how it works. Yeah, and at the end of the day, uh. You buy, I saw someone bring this up on Twitter. I put out a tweet earlier today um, asking people what they would do with it. You can join in as part of the audience at Churn and Jonathan. You should find the tweet on there. Uh, the other thing I've seen people tweet today is when you buy a ticket to an MLB game, it's a lottery ticket. If you catch a baseball, it's yours. You go home, you pay, you pay a price to go to the game, and you leave with something worth more than your ticket, a.k.a a $500,000 ball. Um, <laughs> something. Yeah. That's buying your ticket in the spot that judge usually hits home runs. That is considered a lottery ticket. And when you think about it that way, you know, you can kind of say, well, it's justified for a fan to be a little bit greedy because Aaron judge is going to make over 40 million a year next year. And we all know it. He's getting paid this off season. He can afford to buy the ball from the auction if he wanted to. Yeah. I mean, there's there's one more thing I want to ask uh, about Aaron Judge and his situation in the offseason. Him being, you know, like, what is he, 30, 31? Is that his age? Uh, he's going to be 30 going into next year. Okay. So, would you pay him, let's just say, like, the final offer that he's looking at is – half a billion dollars, right? Over yeah. how many ever how, however many years he wants. Would what you, you say 10? Yeah. yeah. Would you give him that money? No. I completely agree. I have no issue going 45 50 million a year for a 4-year deal. That's what I would go with Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe I'd go 5 or maybe I'd go four with an option, but I'm not giving Aaron Judge a deal over five years. Uh, as great as he's been this year, I gotta look at his past, the injury concern. And by the way, I'm no by no means bashing Judge. I'm just saying the fact on a business standpoint for an organization, it is a dumb move to go and sign someone in their 30s that has had injury issues, much like if we were to do with Jacob Degrom who's had injury issues for for a deal for five or more years. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as great as Judge is, there's no way he can live up to that contract. And by yep. the way, he is never hitting over 60 home runs again. You will never see that happen again. Just like Jacob DeGrom is never having a 1.70 ERA ever again. Yep. Those are things that is so tough to do in your career, it'll never happen again. I completely agree, and I was talking to my baseball coach about this. He is never going to have the season that he did this year, and that's just a straight fact. And if he does it again, 
then that is just simply remarkable, right? But to put the risk of giving him $500 million for him to put up those numbers again, you you just can't do that, right? So I would not do it. And just like you said, it's because he would not ever do the season again. Yeah, and when you think about that, I reply the same thing to Jacob DeGrom, as much of a fan favorite as he is, because arguably the way the Yankee fans feel about Aaron Judge is how we feel about Jacob DeGrom. Um, and there's the same there's the same aspect of it. Both have been injury prone. Both, when they're healthy, are the best in the game. Yeah. Uh, and both at the same time have been the face of their franchises for such a long time. So it's obviously a tough question. But uh, you gotta make a deal with your brain and not with your heart, and you can't go and pay, can't go and pay Judge over five years, much like you can't pay Degrom more than four. I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, there's gonna be Yankee fans after this bashing us, saying like, "Why would you not give Judge the money?" That's just them thinking that you know Judge is like Jesus Christ and is gonna actually do the season again, which he won't. But you know. It is and what it is if somebody really wants to pay him that much. I'm going to get Met fans in my mentions for bashing uh, DeGrom with his uh, outing this past week. And here's the thing. If you have an issue with something we say in this podcast, understand that it is an opinion that we are entitled to. You are free to tweet at me. I have no issue with that. If you have seen um, basically kind of uh, my ideas and my opinions on uh, these issues – in baseball on this podcast, you can just see this as an opinion and form your own. Uh, you don't have to necessarily agree with us, but please listen and enjoy the podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, John, I know the last thing you wanted to talk about was the, uh, the division race between the Braves and the Mets. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to talk about it. So am I. We got a few minutes left on this podcast. Let's blow right through it. Um, All right. I'm really excited about this race. Uh, it's one I not I do not want to be a part of, but that's what we've been given. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I think the Mets can hang on because Buck is our manager, and uh, we have Pete Alonso and Edwin Diaz and a healthy Degrom and Scherzer. Uh, cross our fingers. Um, you just look at that. That's unbeatable right there. But then you look at Atlanta. All these young studs that they have, these young stars. Here's the thing. They have been so classless this year to the New York Met organization and the New York Met fans. They have talked so much crap all season long. They have been so disrespectful to everything that our organization does. They have tried to copy us with uh, the Edwin Diaz stuff and Narco. They have tried... They have been totally disrespectful. Spencer Strider insulted the way we play our game because he was jealous, called us lucky. We need to use this, and we need to motivate ourselves. And I think we can blow right past the Braves because mm-hmm. of that motivation. Hopefully the Atlanta Braves, acting just totally arrogant, lights a fire underneath the Mets team. Hopefully Ronald Acuna Jr., William Contreras, Spencer Strider, and their stupid manager Brian Snitker lights a fire underneath the New York Metropolitans. And I'm going to be honest, there's going to be there's going to be some intense um 
things in the next series with them. There's going to be, I feel like they're going to throw pitches at us and there's going to be very classless things that are going to probably happen on both sides, if I'm being honest. But that's the game of baseball. When you're in that big of a competition, your mind starts to move towards how could I get underneath their skin? And that's the way to do it. I think that the Mets will hold on. And here is the reason why. Every single time we win, they win. So we don't gain any games on them. Every single time they lose, we lose, which is a good and a bad thing because they lost. And it's a bad thing because we lost, right? So we've been sitting at the .5 to 2 games for what now? Like three weeks, maybe even longer? Oh, oh, we've been sitting at that, I would say, for um, over a month because the Braves had one day in first place, but I don't count that. Yeah. But, again, I think that the Mets will be able to hold on because Atlanta is not able to gain any games under us and because the fire under us. And the four-game series that we're going to go through, uh, whenever it is, I think next week, um, it's we have the Grom and Scherzer on the first two, and we need to win those games if we want to keep this, uh, keep the division in our hands. Okay, guys, stay tuned for um, the next episode of the Subway Station Sports Podcast. I hope to discuss the Atlanta series even more in depth in our next episode. Peace out, guys. You want to say anything, Nolan? Let's go, Mets. LFGM. LFGM, guys. Peace out.